coming to you from the greater Montreal area, this is the Not Habitant Podcast, where we talk any and all things related to the Montreal Canadiens. I'm your host, Joshua DeLorme. On this week's Not Having It podcast, I highlight one of the pieces available for your reading pleasure over at awinninghabit.com by my good friend Ken McMillan, where he discusses the opportunity that lies ahead for the Canadians if they take advantage of teams in salary cap trouble. It's a great read, and I'd like to invite all of you to go out and check it out. I'm also going to go over my next piece for the website, where I take a look at six moves that, in my opinion, Mark Bergevin needs to make this offseason. That will be available for your reading pleasure in the coming days. See how kind I am? always giving you prime access here to to what I'm thinking, what I'm working on, and what's not yet available. So that'll be exciting. Before I get started, though, a few little housekeeping notes. Don't forget that you are always more than welcome to reach out to me on Twitter, Twitter handle at JoshuaDelorme95, to let me know what you think of the pod. If you agree or disagree with what I say, or if you have any ideas or suggestions for future episodes. Your feedback is always welcomed and appreciated. Speaking of feedback, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and give us a rating and review. Those are always also welcome. All right, let's get going. All right, so as I mentioned, the uh, the first post or the first thing that I wanted to talk to you guys about was um, uh, Ken's post on winninghabit.com about how the Canadians have an opportunity here to uh, take advantage of other teams, take advantage of teams that are um, that are in salary cap trouble or salary cap hell, as I like to call it, um, and you know take advantage of those to uh, quote unquote help them or throw them a bone and uh, take on a contract that one of these teams would be looking to move. We saw we saw Mark Bergevin do this. Uh, we saw him do this last year with the uh, Yoel Armia trade and the Winnipeg Jets, where he acquired um, Steve Mason and Yoel Armia for uh, basically table scraps. I'll be honest with you. Let's, let's call it what it is. A spade is a spade. The trade, what Montreal sent to Winnipeg, were table scraps. Um, but that was that was a position that Kevin Chevaldeoff and the Winnipeg Jets had put themselves in. They had a club. They had a, a club that that needed to spend money and to keep, you know, most of their, you know, to keep their star players. And and the cap space was difficult to come by. So they had to. And not to mention, Connor Hellebuck had vastly outplayed um, Steve Mason and his four point one million dollar cap hit. So here comes uh, Mark Bergevin, always willing to help, always willing to throw a life jacket, and that's what he did. It only cost Winnipeg Yol Armia. Montreal get a got a solid third line player, power forward uh, type of guy that uh, definitely contributed on the ice and was you know fit in well here on the team and and played a, had a good year for Montreal. And so that that type of trade we saw Montreal make last year. Um, and which Ken highlights in, in the opening of his piece. And, and he takes a look at a couple of teams around the league that are in similar situations uh, as the Winnipeg Jets were last year and how Montreal would be smart, would be, um, you know, I'll stick with smart, would be, would be smart to, to take advantage of these, of these opportunities. You never, you're always looking to, to make your team better. And, and as, as at the end of the day, that's what a general manager's job is, to always do whatever 
they have to do or whatever they can do to improve their roster. Um, and and this is another opportunity that the Canadians have to improve their roster. Just as July 1st, the draft, trades, this type of trade is something that Mark Bergevin has done in the past. The teams are starting to do more and more, and it's also a thing that, that Mark Bergevin should take advantage of because, well, let's be honest, over the past few years, um, he hasn't come close to spending to the salary cap, and and that leaves him with this this excess in, in cap space where he can quote unquote help other general managers. So um, yeah, so Ken made a, a you know wrote a great piece here where he outlines these these opportunities, and and I you know I invite all of you guys, of course, to go out and read it if you haven't read it yet. Again, that's a winninghabit.com. Uh, the post is uh, is is titled uh, "The Montreal Canadiens Need to Take Advantage of Rivals um, in Salary Cap Trouble," and and he really does a good job here of of outlining. You know what a, a, a what the what Mark Bergevin and his coaching staff, or pardon me, his his general manager, the general manager. Boy, I'm really struggling here. What Mark Bergevin and his hockey operations department. There you go, third times the charm. What um what the hockey operations department in Montreal might be looking for in return, what their expectations on a return might be, and what type of player this team in in salary cap uh, hell would be would be looking to to offset or would be looking to move. Out in order to free up some cap space to um, to resign not only to resign their players and to keep their core to keep their team together their better players because it's no secret that um, hockey players and and star players in the league are getting more and more expensive um, which also brings me to a point that Ken makes where he we've really seen over the past two or three years I'd say a um, a, uh, a a kind of going away or a drastic reduction in in bridge deals. You know these these quote unquote bridge deals where uh, players would come out of their entry level contract, sign a two or a three year bridge deal um, as a way to prove themselves one more uh, to keep the the cap hit lower for the team, and then after that the um, after that bridge deal, the player would then go and and you know try to hit a home run. With uh, with his, with his contract, and we we've really seen that go away um, over the past couple of years. You think about um, again, Ken outlines these players. You think about um, Connor McDavid in Edmonton, right out of the right out of the gate, he signs his entry level contract, and then right he signs an eight year contract extension. Leon Draisaitl is the same thing. You look at what's going on in Toronto. Uh, Mitch uh, Mitch Marner is going to be do, going to be looking to do the same thing. Austin Matthews did that. Uh, William Nylander has signed a long term contract extension, and and you, so yeah, so you're seeing a lot more of this. So it's costing teams more money to keep their star players quicker, um, and also just more money in general because contracts are on the rise. Um, the 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 dollar amount that what teams are paying for is on the rise. Um, and so you you know you look at Connor McDavid making upwards of, of twelve million dollars a year. You look at Austin Matthews and John, John Tavares making upwards of eleven. Um, so the, all these all these these young players that used to maybe cost the team five or six million dollars on a bridge deal, that that the, the the salary amount, the cap hit has almost doubled in some cases, and and teams are still trying to adjust and adapt to that. And and so that kind of sometimes leaves them in a little bit of a bind where before 
they were they were able to wait out this this these bad contracts that they have, let's say, uh, by signing a player to a bridge deal, and then after that, the money of the bad contract comes off the books, and then that goes to to their star player. Well, that doesn't happen anymore. The star players are now dictating the terms of the game, and the young star players are dictating that they want to get paid and they want to get paid handsomely, and and well, the the teams don't really have a choice. But to do that, or else they're gonna, you know, you can't afford, you can't lose a, a young star player like that, especially after um, the heartache that comes from, you know, not tanking but finishing at the bottom of the league um, to get these players. And so um, this is this is this is in fact the reality that general managers are in now is that they have to find a way to to move out quote unquote bad contracts um, quicker than than before. And and so I wanna I wanna take a quick overview of what Ken talked about and what he what teams he kinda highlighted and, and what players he highlighted, both what type of return Montreal would be would probably be looking to get and what type of um what what type of player uh, these other teams would be looking to um, to ship out, and so he uh, he highlights a few teams. I'm going to go over a few teams here quickly, notably three. Uh, I want to start with the he highlighted the uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning, and of course, um, there's a lot of soul searching going on in Tampa Bay after their first round. Uh, I don't know how you want to call it disappointment. It's not even a stronger word than disappointment. Anytime you get swept is disappointment. Um, but when you're the number one seed going into the playoffs and you're expecting to, uh, to, uh, to fight for a Stanley Cup final, you know, fight in the Stanley Cup final, and you get swept in the first round. Disappointment doesn't make, maybe does not cover it. But anyway, so once the, once, uh, Julien Brisebois and, and the, the management team down in Tampa are finished licking their wounds. Um, they're going to come to realize that there's a lot of work to be done here. And, and I think they already know that, especially if they want to be able to keep their players. Uh, I look at a guy like Braden Point. Braden Point was an RFA this summer. Uh, he's going to cost them a pretty little penny. And they're not, that's just, well, you know, they, 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 there isn't a ton of cap space available uh, in Tampa Bay. So um, I think anybody who's aware of the situation knows what player I'm pointing out, I'm going to point out here, uh, and and the player that, that Ken pointed out in his piece. Is, is, in essence, it's Ryan Callahan, who's, who's really... Um, his skill set has fallen off a cliff. He's no longer you can't rely on, to, on you can't rely on him to score goals anymore. Um, he's more of a fourth line player, a thirteenth forward type of guy. Very good in the locker room. Very good leadership skills. But you can tell that the hockey ability itself is nowhere near what it used to be, and it's nowhere near a five point eight million dollar cap hit. And and if if um, Julien Brisebois and and his staff want to be able to to keep uh, Braden Point, which um, they might want to, because I don't know about you guys, but he's a very good hockey player. Um, sorry, I really, really love Braden Point. Um, so yeah, it's it's basically the 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 move that everyone is expecting. Everyone in the hockey world is expecting is is how is Julien Brisebois going to find a way to offload um, offload Ryan Callahan? And and I've said this before. I've I've put this out there before that if I was Mark Bergeron, I would pick up the phone and and call Julien Brisebois at the time Steve Eiserman um, and and offer my help, <laughs> offer my services in in alleviating the burden that is Ryan Callahan 
to um, the Tampa Bay Lightning. He he comes at a hit of five point eight million dollars on the cap this for one remaining year. So he only has next year remaining on his contract. So it's it's not that much of a tough pill to swallow if you are um, a team acquiring that contract. It's not like uh, you're bringing in Milan Lucic here and who has. Um, I think it's six years left on his contract at six million dollars. So it's not like that. It's a it's a pill that's easily you can digest pretty quickly um, because it's you know one it's five point eight million dollars on the cap for one year. Worst comes to worst, you bring him in and you just buy out his contract, and and it counts for a little bit on the cap for Montreal and Tampa Bay gets um, gets you know gets five point eight million on the cap cleared. Um, so that that's one idea, and that's I think that is definitely something that Mark Bergevin should take a look at because um, he he has the opportunity here to bring in either a draft pick or a good young forward or a good young player uh, in return as well as compensation for from Tampa Bay for you know taking on this bad contract and comp- and for helping helping them out. Um, Ken mentions uh, the young player Alex Barreboulet, who uh, young uh, young uh, player that signed in Tampa Bay last year, I believe, played in Syracuse this summer, this summer, this uh, this season, and who has you know some decent top, who has some decent potential here uh, to become you know an uh, an everyday NHLer at some point, and and you know those are the type of guys that you know you if you can take advantage of if you are able to bring in a guy like that because I, I look I don't think um, Tampa Bay is going to be willing to give up a top prospect um, to do this trade you have to go in with your expectations somewhat in place but um, I think I think a guy like uh, uh, Barre would be you know would be something someone of interest he would definitely help out Laval next year in 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 their push to, to improve the roster. He that's the and you know he has NHL player possibility written all over him. Um, if if not, I mean then Montreal can look at maybe acquiring a draft pick instead. I don't know if if uh, Tampa Bay would be willing to sacrifice a second round pick or a third round pick, whatever one you know one of the, you're not getting a first round pick out of this. But uh, you know if you're able to get a, a second or a third round pick in this, then that's definitely a trade that that the team should you know, strongly consider. And realistically, if I was, if I was Mark Bergeron, I would, you know, make that trade in a heartbeat. You bring in Ryan Callahan, um, and, and you just, honestly, you buy him out because you can, you can use that cap space yourself. And, and the, the buyout on a, on Ryan Callahan's contract is not that bad. It's not going to affect you all that much. Um, so that's, the, you know, that's, that's one option that Ken lists in his post. And, and another option goes back to the Winnipeg Jets from, you know, the same trade that Montreal made last year, bringing in Yoel Armia. Um, Winnipeg is once again in this situation. Uh, they have a lot of young, they have two or three young players here that need to be signed to contract extensions. You look at Patrick Line needs a contract extension. Uh, Kyle Connor needs a contract extension. Jacob Truber needs a new contract Tyler Myers needs a new contract. There's a lot of players here that need new contracts, and as it stands now, um, according to uh, Cap Friendly, they only have they only have they have 23.8 million dollars in cap space. But you just look at Line A and Connor; that's going to take up a significant portion of that. And then you're going to want it. You you can't lose Truba and Myers for nothing, and you're so you need to replace some of that offense or some of those that help on defense if you do leave if they do leave. So you, you need some sort of cap flexibility here. And, and so the player that, that, uh, 
that Ken talks about in his post coming from that Winnipeg might be looking to move would be defenseman Dmitry Kulikov, who has one more year remaining on his contract at a 4.3333333 and so on and so forth, a million dollar cap hit next year. Um, he's definitely not one of their top defensemen. I mean, you look at, uh, you know, Dustin Bufflin, Jacob Truba, Tyler Myers, Josh Morrissey, uh, they have all, Sammy EQ, they have all these players ahead of him, um, and, and that's a pretty big ticket that could be, you know, easily dispersed to some, to somewhere else or to address another need on the roster. And, um, and so Ken mentions the, the name of Mason Appleton, um, as a possible return for um, for uh, you know compensation for uh, to to uh, to bring in if uh, if Mark Bergevin is looking to make that now I mean if, I don't know if any of you know a little bit about Mason Appleton if you don't uh, he's uh, you know he's a, he's a pretty big kid uh, you know he's a six foot two um, they say centerman or right winger. He, I think he's going to end up turning out to be a, a winger in the in the NHL. Uh, he was drafted. He was drafted in the sixth round in 2015, but has really come out and and you know played played well um, in the last few years. I mean, he played uh, all of last season coming out of college. He played all of last season in the AHL with the Manitoba Moose, and he put up very good numbers. He put up 66 points in 76 games in the AHL. Uh, and and he suited up for 36 games in the NHL this year, where he you know 36. Uh, let me see here, 36 games and 10 points, very respectable for a first. Uh, you know your first crack at the NHL, and and he had you know pretty solid numbers in the AHL as well this year, uh, 32 points in 40 games in the AHL. So that that's the type of player that if you know. Winnipeg is is very let's be honest. Winnipeg is stacked when it comes to forwards. Um, I think Mason Appleton uh, Ken makes a good point here of, of listing him as a as a possible return and as a possible type of player that that Mark Bergevin and his staff would be very interested in. Um, you know, a big kid and 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 has the has a have a has a scoring touch on him as the ability. You know, he might come out to be a you know a third line player or whatnot. But the fact remains that you you're bringing in someone that it improves your roster is someone that gives you the possibility of improving your roster down the road um, and if it costs you Dmitry Kulikov for a year and let's face it Montreal is always looking for depth on defense as Mark Bridgman likes to tell us you never ever 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 you can never have too much defenseman depth he's told us that a few times so uh, Dmitry Kulikov could either you buy him out or you he comes in and, and he's your bottom pairing guy um uh, on the left-hand side, and so that's that's one option. And finally, uh, before I move on to a, to another topic here, the other um, the other option, the other team that Ken talks about that I wanted to focus in on were the uh, the Calgary Flames. Calgary Flames are in a bit of a bind. If, let's be honest, if we're going to be honest here, the Calgary Flames are in a bit of a bind when it comes to uh, cap space for next year and contracts. Uh, extensions, contract extensions that need to be done. Most notably, uh, Matthew Kachuk needs a new contract, and um, and Sam Bennett needs a new contract. Sam Bennett, who's come on as of late, you know that he struggled there a bit, but regardless, he's coming on as of late. He's going, but the big ticket here is going to be Matthew Kachuk. That that is going to cost a pretty penny, and right now they only have ten million dollars in cap space, um, and and so. 
you can easily understand how Matthew Kachuk is going to end up taking up, oh, I would say probably a good 80% of that. Um, and, and that doesn't leave uh, Brad Tree living in the Calgary Flames with much maneuvering room. Um, and so uh, two players that, uh, that Ken highlights and that Ken mentions that would probably want to be moved out of out of uh, out of Calgary, or forwards Michael Frolik, uh, who uh, also has one year remaining on his contract at four point three million dollars. It's funny, almost Kulikov and Frolik both at uh, at uh, four point three million. But um, you know Frolik, who's a, who could again come in and provide depth on this team at forward, um, and and that's uh, you know you're you're able to. Um, to help, help again, quote unquote, help the Calgary Flames with some with some salary cap, and then you're able to bring in either a good draft pick or or a good young player, and then I mean, Ken mentions the name of T.J. Brody. I'm not, I don't know, I'm not sold on that. I don't know uh, if I agree with that or not. I mean, T.J. Brody, uh, he's struggled a bit this year. He struggled a bit. He struggled a lot this year. But I don't know if if I was Calgary, if I'd be willing to give up on him just yet. The fact remains, he's. I think he's still a top four defenseman, um, and I think he just kind of lost his way. I don't think Calgary is ready to give up on TJ Brody, um, but uh, but Ken mentions that um, you know maybe there's a possibility there where you can you can bring in uh, TJ Brody because there are a lot of young young defensemen on on that Calgary Flames roster that that are pushing for spots, but. I'd be wary if I was Brad Tree Living about moving TJ Brody. But if there is one thing that we do know about Brad Tree Living is he is not afraid to make big moves. Uh, that's, that's for sure. I mean, we, he's not afraid to trade his draft picks either. He traded a lot of draft picks for Dougie Hamilton. He traded a lot of draft picks for um, uh, to the New York Islanders for uh, Travis Hamanick. So he's definitely not afraid to trade draft picks. So if, if you if you call up our good friend Brad Tree Living here in Calgary and you offer your help in, in clearing some cap space for him, then I think definitely there's an opportunity here uh, to acquire either a good young player or some draft picks. Um, and I mean, again, if you look at that Calgary Flames team, no doubt Ken mentions this as well, but there's no doubt that they'd be looking to move on from uh, from that James Neal uh, contract. That uh, <laughs> that has not worked out well for them at all. He signed a five-year, uh, 5.75 AAV contract in the offseason last year as a free agent. And that really hasn't worked out. He's gone from you know playing in the top six to playing in the bottom six to healthy scratch to uh, not producing at all. Uh, he's and he's he's really struggled. So I think there's no doubt out there that they would be very interested in moving on from that contract. But if you're Montreal, I wouldn't go anywhere near that with a ten foot pole. Um, because the the amount of years that's left on that that's five that's four years left on that contract. And and if you're Montreal, you can't afford to to take on that amount of cap space for that long. Um, so it's that part of it's really not worth it. But you could definitely understand why Brad Tree Living would want to. Um, would definitely want to move on from that. So yeah, so that's an, that's uh, that's the uh, the post that I wanted to talk to you guys about when it comes to uh, to Ken's article, uh, Ken's uh, piece about taking you know taking advantage of, of uh, other teams and taking advantage of the cap space that the Canadians have. Um, because if you're not going to spend in free agency, which historically we look over the past couple of years uh, mark bergeron has straight, you know stayed away from uh, big ticket items you know we brought in carl osner but we all know how that worked out but you know he hasn't he hasn't spent large uh, large amount of money in in free agency so if you're not going to improve your team that way then you you know you look at, at 
doing something like this um, with other teams, like we saw Mark Bergevin do um, do last year, and uh, and so yeah, so that that's that's one post, and uh, and then so yeah, so we're, I'm gonna take a quick break, and when I come back, I want to talk to you guys about uh, my future upcoming post on awinninghabit.com. A friendly reminder here that this podcast is associated with fan-sided awinninghabit.com. Awinninghabit.com is where you can find all of your Habs-related content by people that are just like you, fans of the team. So don't forget to go out and check out awinninghabit.com for all of our latest posts, editorials, and analysis of the Montreal Canadiens. All right, back to the podcast. Back now for the final segment of the show where I give you the listeners, exclusive access to what I'm working on for winninghabit.com. This weekly segment will give you a quick sneak peek as to what I will be pu- publishing on the website in the coming days. Aren't you guys lucky? I know, right? Exclusive access here, folks. Peeling back the curtain. A quick look as to what you're going to see from me on the website. Fantastic, I tell you. It's fantastic. All right. I think I've sold it enough. Maybe I oversold it, but whatever. That's who I am. So, my next post on awinninghabit.com, my next piece, the, 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 the next um, thing that I'm working on for the website is, uh, is a piece that looks at um, basically armchair GMing, uh, in a way. Um, there, I, it's a post where I'm going to outline six moves that I would make if I were the general manager of the Montreal Canadiens this offseason. So basically, six six moves that I believe the Montreal Canadiens need to make in the upcoming offseason. First on my list, sign a top six forward! This team needs help scoring. That's no secret. That's no secret. None whatsoever. This team needs help scoring, and I think a top six forward, a proven top six forward, is what this team needs to help them fix that problem. Give you a quick hint. I'm looking at Matt Duchesne. That's what I'm looking at if I was the Canadian general manager. I'll have more details on that in my upcoming piece. Number two on my list. Sign or trade for a top four defenseman. Just like this team needs another top six forward, this team also desperately needs help on defense. I don't believe in Brett Kulak as the solution to the left-handed shot defenseman on the second pair long term. I don't. I think Brett Kulak could be a very good third pairing defenseman that can fill in in the top four if need be. Let's not forget that this team, down the stretch, with Brett Kulak playing top four minutes, failed to make the playoffs! So Brett Kulak is all that great, I don't know. I'm not saying it's Brett Kulak's fault. I'm just saying there are upgrades available. There are upgrades out there on Brett Kulak. We should not be afraid to upgrade this team. Don't settle for mediocrity. Don't settle for mediocre. Don't settle for the middle. Don't settle for just okay. Brett Kulak is a just okay top four defenseman long term. He's fine if he needs to fill in for 10, 15, 20 games. But let's not forget, Brett Kulak was playing top four minutes for this team down the stretch where they fell apart. God damn it. Improve the roster. I'm so sick and tired of people being okay with 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 just blah. I'm sick and tired of people being okay with with 
with with Brett Kulak as a top four defenseman. Are you are we not, are you nuts? Are we serious right now, Brett Kulak? I, I, I read this. I read this on Twitter out there. People are saying, Brett Kulak, I have these disagreements. It's, I'm, I'm mind-boggled by this. People are actually sitting there and thinking that Brett Kulak is, a, is an option, is a long-term solution to the problem at left-wing, left-shot defenseman on the second pairing with Jeff Petrie. Are you serious? I mean, what is happening here? Brett Kulak is a third-pairing defenseman on any other team. On any team that wants to actually compete for the Stanley Cup, on any team that has aspirations for the Stanley Cup, I can promise you Brett Kulak is not a top-four defenseman. If we want to make the playoffs in Montreal, if we want to compete for a Stanley Cup, which I think that's the goal, don't settle for crap. Don't settle for mediocrity. Don't settle for Brett Kulak as your top four defenseman. Go out there and trade for one. Go out there and sign one if you have to. Improve the roster. I'm sick and tired of patch jobs. I'm sick and tired of duct tape and and gorilla tape masking holes and filling holes and relying on Terry Price to make 10 bell save after 10 bell save after 10 bell save to cover up for the defense mistakes. I'm sick of it. Do your job, Mark Bergevin, and make this team better. Improve this roster. Brett Kulak is a top four defenseman. Give me a break. Are you nuts? Now I lost my train of thought. Boy, hockey really does take the best out in me. But anyway, sign it or trade for a top four defenseman to make this team better. Per In an ideal world, I'm signing Jake Gardner, but... I don't think I. I think Jake Gardner is a fantastic hockey player when he's in a role, when he's properly surrounded. I think Jeff Jeff Peachy it would be a perfect partner for Jake Gardner. I think Jake Gardner would come in here and and be a perfect second pairing defenseman alongside Jeff Peachy. The only issue is with Jake Gardner being the only left-handed shot defenseman available of premium quality. I think he's in to make a lot of money. I don't mind giving Jake Gardner six or six and a half million dollars a year. I don't. Where I don't have a, I have a problem with doing it over a long term. I wouldn't give him a five or six year contract. Ideally, it'd be a three year contract for Jake Gardner. I just don't think he's going to take that because I think there's some general manager out there that is going to give him the five or the six years at six or six point five million dollars a year. So that would be one option, but I don't think that's going to happen. There are a lot of rumblings out of Pittsburgh of who might be available. I think there is some interest in moving Oli Mata. I think there's some interest from Mark Bergevin in acquiring Oli Mata. I think from what I've read, uh, from what I understand, I think those are trade scenarios that have been discussed in the past. And um, and I think that is something that Mark Bergevin has been interested in and I think Olimata could be had for a decent, you know, not too bad of a, of a price cost. I mean, we I saw some things out there that it might be uh, Arturi Lekkinen and a draft pick. And then, see, this is where I love, I, this is why Twitter in sometimes makes me so upset. Because I read people, I, there are actually, I know, it's shocking. There are people out there that actually believe trading Arturi Lekkinen would be the worst thing that could happen to this team. Let's not forget one thing here. 
Where did Arturi Lekkonen finish this season? What line was he playing on? It wasn't the first. It wasn't the second. It wasn't the third. He was playing on the fourth line. Arturi Lekkonen was a fourth line left wing on this team. Apart from the rookie year, when, when he scored around 20 goals, he hasn't done much since then. He's very responsible defensively. Every person in the bottom six of this team is responsible defensively, and they're barring. I'm so tired of it. And then we talk about, we can't trade our, oh no, we can't trade Arturi Lekkonen for Olimata. No way. Why would we ever want to do that? Are you kidding me? Are you serious? Arturi Lekkonen is a third line forward at best. At best, he's a third line forward that helps out on the penalty, that plays on the PK. That's what he is. That is who he is as a hockey player in the NHL. This year, he finished the year on the fourth line. Olimata has some deficiencies. No problem. No problem admitting that whatsoever. But you cannot seriously sit there and argue with me. And if you do, I invite you to do that. Send me a tweet at JoshuaDelorme95 on Twitter. That Olimata does not improve the defensive core. You can't sit there and tell me that Brett Kulak is better than Olimata. That Brett Kulak is a better option in the top four for this hockey club than Olimata. You can't. And if you do, I wish you the best of luck in arguing that. Again, at Joshua Delorme 95. Come at me. <laughs> I always, it's one thing you'll figure it out about. You'll always, you'll figure out about me pretty quickly is that I am always willing to debate with you. I have my hardline opinions. Some people disagree with them. Actually, a lot of people disagree with them. But uh, that's okay with me. So yeah, if you disagree with anything I just said, or anything I'm about to say, send me a tweet. I'd love to hear from you. Number three on my list of moves that the Montreal Canadiens need to make this offseason. Do not, I repeat, do not re-sign Jordy Benton. So it's like five moves the Canadians should make and one move the Canadians need not to make. We don't need Jordy Ben on this team. He's a third line, third uh, third pairing defenseman. And he had a very good year for Jordy Ben standards. I think there's a team out there that's going to make the mistake of giving him upwards of $2.5 million a year. Don't be that team. Jordy Ben helped you out. Jordy Ben can be replaced. Easily, actually. Hint, hint, his name is Brett Kulak. He doesn't belong in the top four. He can play in the top six. I think Jordy, uh, Brett Kulak would be perfect third-pairing defenseman. I think we don't need to give Jordy Ben upwards of $2.5 million per year on this team. Let some other general manager out there make that mistake. And if Pete Chiarelli was still a general manager in the league, Jordy Ben would probably count probably upwards of $3 million. <laughs> That's a shot at a terrible general manager, but whatever. Number four on my list. And these are, of course, in no particular order. But number four, sign Max Domi to a contract extension. Max Domi is eligible to sign a contract extension as of July 1. Don't wait too long. Do it. You like him. Everybody loves him. He loves being here. He came out and said he wants to be a Canadian for life. 
just sign him to a contract extension. He's making 3.15 yeah, 3.15 million this year. He made that and he's making that. He's uh, he's counting on the cap for that next year. Give him a long-term contract extension. Keep him here. Do what you have to do. Keep him in Montreal. He loves the city. The city loves him and he produces. He does not shrivel away into little balls of nothing under the pressure that is being a bleu, blanc et rouge. He does not shrivel away at the pressure of being a Canadian. He does not shy away from representing all that the sea ash on the front of his jersey represents. He embraces it. He exemplifies what is a Montreal Canadian. We have to keep him here long term. If I go back a year ago, I never thought I'd be saying this, but whatever. So, number four. Sign Max Domi to a long-term contract extension. Number five. Relating to the draft. You have three picks in the first two rounds, as it stands right now. Address some needs. If I was the general manager of this hockey club, I would take the 15th pick, and I would trade it. To go out and get a solid top four defenseman, if I can't get Ole Mata for Arturi Lekkonen, let's say. If I want something more, better, than Ole Mata, I would dangle the 15th pick. Because yes, the 15th pick, you are going to be able to get a good hockey player there. That Realistically, that player is at least two years away from being on your roster in the NHL. The way the team is built now, with Shea Weber, with Carey Price, upwards of 30, I'll be generous, this team is built now that they need to win soon because once Shea Weber starts to deteriorate even more than he is already deteriorated, deteriorated, boy, I'm really struggling with that one, even more than he has this year, and once Carey Price starts to come back down to earth, this team will be in trouble because those contracts, especially the Shea Weber one, is going to be very hard to get out from under. So, if you're going to compete for a Stanley Cup, you need to do it while Shea Weber is still a reliable top four defenseman. So, I would dangle the 15th pick to greatly improve the top four. That le- Or, if you don't, fine. Whatever, you draft a player that you're going to have in two years at the minimum. Minimum, he's there in two years. But, my point is, you have three picks in the first two rounds. If you remain with those three picks, one of those picks should be used to draft a scoring forward. Scoring winger! What more does Montreal need? You always need scoring. We need scoring help. So you need you draft a scoring winger. I'll give you a hint as to what the other one might be. Nothing? Okay. Left-handed shot defenseman! Whatever you do with the other second-round pick, I don't care. But if it's up to me, one of the first one of the first and second round picks is 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 used to draft a scoring winger the other one is used to address the top four defense you draft a player that has top four defenseman potential finally on my list of things that the Montreal Canadiens need to do in this upcoming off season figure out what the hell you're going to do with Carl Osner are you one of those teams that I talked about uh, that Ken wrote about that you're going to entice another team on, on taking on? Is that something Mark Bergeron is willing to do? I don't know. That's something that he needs to figure out. If you're not willing to do that, or if no other team is willing to take him on for what you're offering, then I think you strongly need to consider the option of a buyout. Because let's be honest, Carl Osner is not going to play 
for the Canadians regularly. And it's a waste of cap space, and it's a waste of money to have him in Laval. So according to Cap Friendly, and again, I'll have all of this and more in greater detail on my upcoming post on winninghabit.com, but according to Cap Friendly, a buyout for Carl Osner would keep Montreal, would have Montreal paying him on the cap 1.069 million next year, this upcoming year, followed by $4.2 million a year after that, that was a bonus year, $2.2 million in the final year of his contract, Again, some bonuses there. And then 1.069 for three years after that. It's in essence, he's got three years remaining on his contract. So it's a six-year buyout. It's not that bad. Apart from the second year at 4.2 million, the rest of it you can easily swallow. You've moved on from Carl Osner. You've accepted, you've admitted, and you've told everyone, we made a mistake, it has not worked out, and you move on. It's a fresh start for the team, and it's a fresh start for Carl Osner. And you're clearing up a roster spot, and you're clearing up some dearly needed gap space. So, that will be on a winning habit. That and more will be on a winninghabit.com in the coming days. Um, that'll be another one of my famous Josh's takes. Um probably going to be titled something along the lines of six moves the Montreal Canadiens need to make this coming off season because I'm so original that way. So on that note, that brings to end um, our second ever episode of the Not Having It podcast. I really do hope you're enjoying these. I'm enjoying doing these with you where I can kind of go into uh, greater detail about what I'm going to be writing about. And, and I also wanted to highlight, you know, every time I'm going to have an episode, I'm going to highlight one um, post or one piece that's on a winninghabit.com from the week from that week um, to you know to highlight the work that the other contributors are doing to uh, to bring what their work to the forefront to talk about that and it also gives me a, an opportunity to to discuss to disagree or to agree with what they're saying in this setting for you not to worry that's not always going to be the case once the regular season comes on and, and there's going to be games to talk about and injuries and scratches and trades and all that stuff. That'll come as well. The next couple of weeks, in the, next, in the coming month, month and a half, I'm going to start to shift my focus a little bit more towards um, a Canadian's off-season shopping list, uh, both in free agency and in the draft, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna take some time here to to look over in the next coming weeks in my future episodes, who I think the Canadians should go after in free agency by trade. Really do a breakdown of of position by position on where the team stands, who's on the roster, who's not gonna be on the roster, who could help in improving the roster in such a position. So on that note, I always told I told you I was gonna keep these episodes short. My goal is always between 40 and 50 minutes an episode. I'm gonna fall right into that. I'm very happy about that. Uh, that way, my voice doesn't um, tire itself out, and I don't get tired of hearing my own voice. Not that that ever happens, but whatever. Uh, and then that also gives you guys a quick little breather and a little quick little 45-minute content related to the Montreal Canadiens. So, as I mentioned in the open, don't forget, this is a weekly show, so look for me uh, probably every Friday. I think that's what I'm going to aim to do. Every Friday, put out an episode. Uh, as today is Friday, May 3rd, uh, so this will probably go out uh, either later this evening or early Saturday morning. So on my Friday will be my day to record, and uh, and then and then it'll either probably come out Friday evenings or Saturday mornings. Um, and yeah, so look forward to another episode like that. Again, as I mentioned, don't forget to uh, 
to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts, wherever great podcasts are found. Uh, to subscribe to us there, leave us a leave us a review, uh, give us a rating, do all that for us. Those are always greatly appreciated. And always send me your feedback on Twitter at JoshuaDelorm95. Uh, interact with me. Tell me what you like. Tell me what you didn't like. Tell me what you agreed with or what you dis with what you disagreed with. And uh, and if you have any ideas, please by all means, if you have any ideas on on future episodes, on topics that you'd like me to discuss, that you'd like me to talk about or to to dive into further details, or if you have a, a suggestion for the show, um, those are, are by all means always welcome. You can uh, just tweet at me on Twitter and uh, tweet at me on Twitter. Where else you can tweet at me? But whatever, tweet at me uh, at JoshuaTheLorm95. And, uh, and yeah, I do hope you enjoy your weekend and next week I'll talk to you guys next week.